0: Perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see oceanside relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. In terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com/slash with Amex.
0: All right, brand new I am Rapport Stereo podcast. I am Michael Rapport, aka the Gringo Man Dingo, aka the Jake Lamada of podcasting. On today's podcast, it is going to be a shit talking extravaganza. Hashtag disruptive behavior. Uh, I'm not even going to explain all the things I'm going to be talking about, but Kanye West has obviously been watching a little bit too much of the I Am Rap Report Stereo podcast, social media feed. Um, Later on in the show, I'm going to keep it funky with you. We're going a deep dive into politics with my man, John Heilman. He is the host, co-creator of a fantastic show on Showtime called The Circus, The Greatest Show on Earth. He's an actual, real-life American journalist, a national affairs analyst for NBC News and MSNBC News, hashtag fake news. He's one of the main perpetuators of all things That are considered fake news right now Last week on his Showtime show, The Circus He sat down and interviewed Sloppy Steve Bannon The first and most important question That I need to ask John Heilman Is what the fuck does Sloppy Steve Bannon Actually smell like? You got to check out the circus on Showtime. The circus, the greatest show on earth. But first, I'm going to do what I do. Miles Jordan, let me get something real nice, something real proper. This is the Iron Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Let's go. Let me tell you something. Who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I only place my money and make my action at my bookie. Trust me, guys. They are your best bet this season who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with my bookie has been in business for years they have great reviews online and their mobile site is easy to use i would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been great to me that's why i'm urging you to make your way to my bookie you win they pay you win they pay no funny business they have the in game Live betting, over/unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. My bookie is slammed with new betters and wants to give everyone the best service possible. Okay, so if you're willing to deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they will give you an additional 25 bucks free to play on deposits over hundred dollars. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Join now, okay? And they will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Enter the promo code rapaport 25 to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code Rappaport25, R-A-P-A-P-O-R-T-2525 when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play You play, you win, you get paid only at mybookie.ag. All right. Gringo Man Dingo. All things disruptive behavior. Uh, I'm rocking solo on that ass today. Um... I have to... I don't mean to... Listen, I don't... I'm not a manipulative person, okay? But I will say this. The premium podcast that we put up the other day with me and G Moody, whose last name rhymes with duty, is... Now, we're at 450 podcasts. I'd call it a top 10 podcast, top 15 podcast of all time. Um, If you are not a premium subscriber... It's your fucking loss. You're you're missing out on gold. We willy-hutched really all the people that had problems with my Ernie and Bert rant. If you haven't heard my Ernie and Bert rant this week, Ernie and Bert, you're probably like, "Wait, Ernie and Bert the Sesame Street characters?" Yes, Ernie and Bert the fucking Sesame Street characters were accused of being gay, not that it's an accusation that needs to uh, 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 like to be ashamed of but a whole shitstorm storm went down. Uh, on the premium podcast we addressed that in Willie Hutch fashion. The point that I'm saying is that if you are not a premium subscriber of the I Am Rap Report Stereo Podcast, yes, I would love you to be a part of that but really you need to ask yourself like what Simple things do you want to do to enhance your life? Being a subscriber of the I Am Rapport Stereo podcast, Premium Lifestyle, will help that. That's all I'm saying. That is all I'm saying because the podcast the other day with me and G Moody and the Willie Hutching about the Bert and Ernie, Ernie and Bert shitstorm that happened this week is well worth the $299 that it cost to be a premium subscriber. Um, that's all I'm saying. Uh, Kanye West is gone. Kanye West is out of his fucking mind, but he's obviously been watching my get down on social media. Kanye West, your music is whack. All things start with the music. I don't care about the sneakers. All things start and end with the music. Your music is is subpar recently. Okay, that's number one. And you could be fucking nuts. You could be obnoxious. You could talk shit if your music is dope, but your music is is whack. We've went over it as much as I'm going to go over it. What you did to the Nas record, what you did to your own record, what you did to the Kid Cudi collaboration. Yes, yes. Pusha T made it out of there alive with all of his hip hop integrity intact. Nas is back in the studio because he needs to make another record because the record that he put out under your tutelage was whack. It was disappointing. But the other day, something happened with Nick Cannon. I don't even know. You need like a fucking, you need like a scientific chart. You need uh, uh, somebody keeping track of all this. Something happened with Nick Cannon who apparently used to date Kim Kardashian back in the days way before Kanye West was married to her. He made a comment insinuating that he used to date her. And if you're dating somebody and you're grown, then you're fucking. That's just a fact. That's what grown people do. Grown people fuck. You know, that's what we do. Um, so he insinuated something. He was asked a question. And then Kanye, who apparently has said that he's moving to Chicago, although Kim Kardashian has said she's not moving to Chicago. Listen, let's call a fucking spade a spade here, Kanye. Get your medication right, Duke. Shit's all fucked up. You look nuts. You're getting some crazy crease that's growing between your forehead and your nose. I don't know what the fuck you're doing out there. You need to get on a workout program and maybe a juice diet because you're wiling out. And you're making selfie videos. I started the whole fucking trend. Nobody was talking shit into the camera until I started doing it. I never pat myself on the back. Unless I have a reason to. Now, in this case, I have a reason to. People know how I changed the game with all the shit talking selfie videos. But Kanye West, if you're going to talk shit in a selfie video, talk shit in a selfie video. Put the fucking camera up right. Tighten up your motherfucking panties and talk your shit. You look fucking nuts, Duke. You look crazy on the yard. I don't know what to do with you, man. The Wisconsin, all that shit, you're moving to Chicago, your whiz. She's not moving to Chicago. Kim Kardashian, North Saint, and your kid Chicago, none of them are moving to Chicago you gone rogue, Duke. Hold your fucking head. I'll tell you one person who's fantastic at talking shit. And the press conference for the Conor McGregor-Khabib fight. I can't even pronounce my man's first name. But the Conor McGregor-Khabib fight, which I believe is October 5th. Conor McGregor's back. He's talking a lot of shit. Uh, a fantastic shit talker. I actually want him to lose this fight again. Uh, when it comes to UFC, I am a fan of Conor McGregor, but I like this guy, Khabib. I like his style. But Conor McGregor and Khabib got into it. Uh, I look. It looked like at one point Conor McGregor, during the press conference, boned up again. It seems like at these press conferences, when he's face-to-face with his opponents, he catches a boner, which is just weird. Which is just weird. Like, are you that thirsty to kick some ass that you 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 sexualize these dudes? I get it. I sexualize the opponent that I am playing in fantasy football. Yes. I want to I wanna have my way with them. Uh, but you, uh, 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 at the press conference, you're a UFC guy. You want to kick some ass. Uh, maybe you want to do something else. Here's a little clip from the press conference. Miles Jordan, give a little of Conor McGregor shit talking here. Like what, what the truth you talking about? What because are you that's talking? all I talk. What, truth. Are what are you talking about? That's all I, I talk, truth. Yeah, I'm come here for smash this guy. Smash I don't me, me. I, mate. Smash, I, I smash me. Yeah, smash me. I can smash You say send your lo- send location. Here he is, right here in front of you. I'm right in front of you. <laughs> Did you not see me at the outside the bus now? Did you not see me right in front of you outside the fucking bus? I showed you my hands, no weapons. The first thing I's when I showed up at that bus, I showed him up my hands to let him know I come here unarmed, no weapons. Step off the bus. You talk the big game now I'm here. He done fucking nothing. He sat and took his shit on that bus. He hid, ho- hid and cowered behind fucking women and caused what happened to happen. So that's fucking that. Listen, he's good at it. Conor McGregor talks good shit. He's the best promoter in the biz better than everyone better than Floyd Mayweather better than Draymond Green in sports when it comes to talking shit Conor McGregor is that dude my prediction is that this dude Khabib will maul him homie was wrestling bears as a child he's going to maul Conor McGregor and win that fight but it's going to be a bloodbath it's going to be a war, but I respect your shit-talking game. My man Khabib doesn't even have a handle on the English language. It's a no contest when it comes to the shit-talking with Khabib. He barely speaks fucking English. I am Huge thing went down in the NFL this week. Huge. And I am completely on the side of the players. Um, Eric Dickerson Lawrence Taylor, Earl Campbell, Joe Namath, just to name a few, all Hall of Famers said they will no longer, they will no longer participate and support and show up at NFL Hall of Fame events until retired players are taken care of and given insurance. Why did it take so long? I think the NFL needs to create, in all seriousness, an NFL hospital. I think that's the best thing to do. Get a couple of buildings across. These players need to be taken care of. They're veterans of the sport, their bodies and their minds are ruined. They gave it to the NFL. And the Hall of Famers with the voice, the people that I just mentioned, the LTs, the Joe Namath, the Earl Campbell's, and Ernest Dick, Eric Dickersons, these are the guys we know about. The forgotten linemen, the non stars, the guys that aren't rich, that gave it all for nine seasons, the second string tight ends whose bodies are destroyed, they should be taken care of. Also, I don't know how this works dollars and cents-wise, but I want to ask this question. If the NFL players that are currently playing took knees towards the NFL about this, what would the reaction be from the fans? The NFL is in trouble. They need to figure it out. The other day Aaron Rodgers came out And said that these rules against defensive players, they're making it too contactless. He basically said a bunch of things, but the most important thing he said, he said it is a uh, collision sport. Last week, that Green Bay Packers-Minnesota Vikings game uh, was swayed because of that bad call on Clay Matthews. He didn't do anything illegal to Kirk Cousins. And it cost the Minnesota Vikings the game. Players need to be taken care of. I don't know how to work it out. We want these guys to be out there bashing their head, but then the NFL doesn't take care of them after they bash their head. I, I, listen, I'm a fan. I'm just a fan. I'm a senior fantasy football analyst. Uh, I don't know how this is going to work itself out, but it feels like so many different things in the NFL are coming to a head. Um And they need to be figured out at some point, somehow. I don't have the answer. I'm just here to talk my shit. Suge Knight is going to go to jail. Unless he pulls another rabbit out of his ass. Suge Knight is going to go to jail. He's been in prison for over a year now. He pleaded no contest to, I believe, manslaughter for the incident that we've all heard about on the set of Straight Out of Compton, where he ran somebody over. Um, listen, it's like uh, Al Capone. Uh, 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 because uh, we grew up listening to the music, uh, we can glorify it all. I want all we want. But the, the, the guy's obviously done a lot of shit, and Karma is a motherfucker, but Suge Knight just pleaded no contest um, and agreed to serve 28 motherfucking joints in prison, 28 motherfucking joints. I don't know uh, uh, what no contest means. I guess maybe he could have gotten life. Uh, Maybe he could have gotten the death penalty. They could have given him that needle, that good needle. Uh, But Suge Knight will be locked up and put away for 28 fucking years. I am predicting that he will not make it out of jail alive. That's my prediction. No contest means 28 years. You're hearing my voice, uh, the voice of my wife. She's chiming in uh, in the background. Suge Knight's going away for twenty eight fucking joints. Twenty eight joints. Ever tell you about the time I sat next to Suge Knight at a Lakers game? When I, I'm asking you, the listeners. I, sh- I sat next to Suge Knight uh, during a Lakers San Antonio Spurs game. I don't know what year it was. It was in L.A. The Spurs. Uh, this is when they had Dennis Rodman, um, and he had like the pink hair. I sat rat, right next to him and Jimmy Iovine. And you know how they say that people, a- a- animals, like pit bulls, they have energy. Like, you could get, the, like, yo, that fucking pit bull, I don't feel comfortable. Sometimes you walk down the street, you could be like, that guy's nuts. That guy's scary. That lady's nuts. Uh, ye- Suge Knight had that, that energy of a pit bull. You d- I didn't want to look at him. Literally, shoulder to shoulder. It's courtside. I was on the wood. I don't remember who took me. Uh, Jimmy Iovine, this is before he shaved his head. It was when he was wearing the wig underneath his baseball hat. Remember that? During the 90s, he looked fucking nuts. Uh, But Suge Knight and I were shoulder to shoulder. He didn't speak to me. Um, I don't think he knew or cared who I was. I was uh, was famous. Um, They left about midway through the third quarter, and I was happy about it. That's my Suge Knight sitting next to me during a Los Angeles Lakers game. Versus the San Antonio Spurs when Dennis Rodman was a spur. It's not a great story, but it is a factual one. What can I say? Now listen, not every fucking story is going to be a uh, out of the park home run, and I'm not going to try to make it seem like it's a uh, 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 an out of the park home run or a grand slam home run. It's just the life and times of me, the Gringo Mandingo. Now I have a confession to make. And I asked you, the fans, all of you, the fans, to help me with this. Some people did. Uh, a lot of people didn't. I don't feel like I ask for much. I want to create uh, a syncopation, a rapport, a communication with you, the fans, listening to the I Am rapaport Stereo Podcast. Last week, I said, I know myself. I like new shit, I like gadgets, sometimes I get gadgets, cheap gadgets, that I don't even use, I got this sleep nose snoring gadget off of fucking Instagram last week, it was like 33 bucks, it goes up your nose while you're sleeping to help you with snoring, I have many issues, but snoring's not one of them, didn't even use it, 33 bucks is nothing, okay? Okay? for a cell phone is something. Now, I asked you, motherfuckers. I said, please, if you hear me talking, if you feel like I am coming close to getting that brand new iPhone, which dropped today, the iPhone, I don't know, what is it? The X10? What the fuck is it? I don't know what it is. Who cares? $1,600. Please, ridicule me, harass me, talk shit to me. You could say whatever you want to me. Talk me off the ledge. And my wife got a replacement phone the other day. Not the brand new one, a regular replacement phone. We we're in the Apple store. I was mistaken because I said that the brand new phone will not have the jack for the headphones and the charger. I was wrong. I went in the Apple store and I asked him, what's this new phone? He told me the brand new Apple phone will have a camera That when it takes pictures of you, it will see inside your soul. It has 7 billion megapixels. When it takes a picture, it will see inside the soul of the person you are taking a picture of. If you take a picture of your dog, it'll see your dog's heartbeat. Fucking camera's unbelievable. If you get the proper update, you can take a picture of a motherfucker. It can read their blood type. I don't need any of that. I don't need a camera to be any better than it is today. How many pores? How many whiteheads, blackheads, chap lips? I don't want a camera to be able to tell me whether or not the person I'm taking the picture of has bad breath or has cavities in their mouth. A camera's just a camera. None of you motherfuckers are Andy Leibowitz. So don't try to sell me on the camera. So he told me this, he told me that, he said, it does have the jack for the headphones, I was wrong, I'll correct myself, fucking thing, $1,643, I said, you know what, fuck it, I got on my phone, I started ordering one, because the guy in the Apple store, is a big fan, I'm this, that, I love your show, love your podcast, uh, I said, alright, oh, I, I like an Apple guy who loves the podcast, can I get one? He goes, well, you have to come in the store. I said, I can't order one. No, you have to come in the store. Or he even says this to me with a straight face. Or you could come early and wait online. I was like, Duke, 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 Duke. I'm not coming in here and waiting online. If you're really a fan of the podcast, Mr. Apple Store Genius, who I think may have been lying, you know I don't get down like that. You know that I'm trying not to buy the fucking phone. He says, well, you could pre-order one while you're here, Mr. Rappaport. I said, all right, fuck it. I whipped my phone out, go through all the pre-order, this, that. I could get this this much money on my uh, buyback from my old phone, blah, 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 blah. I'm scrolling. I'm pressing all the buttons, pressing all the buttons, pressing. And I was one click away from pre-ordering that fucking phone. I posted it on Instagram. And I'd say I got about seven or eight comments. And I know. Thousands of you motherfuckers listen to this podcast. I asked for help. I said, I want the phone, but I know I do not need the phone. Help me, help myself. Today's the fucking day. As of now, as of recording this podcast, I have not wasted my money in getting this iPhone X17 Plus, whatever the fuck it is. But I'm asking again, if you see me at the Apple Store, On my social media. If you see me tweeting. I'm about to do it. Think of me as a heroin addict. Do you want to see me? On those green skies. The guy reminded me. He said I remember you Mr. Rappaport. I don't like when these fucking guys call you Mr. Rappaport also. I know they think they're being respectful. But just call me Mike. Call me Champ. Call me Dingo. Don't call me Mr. Rappaport. I'm not your fucking father. I'm not your school teacher. You're not fucking my daughter. Hmm? You're trying to fuck my daughter? Don't Mr. Rappaport me. I don't trust it. But he said, you bought the 10 from me. You came back in and you returned the 10. Then you bought another 10. I don't want that new fucking phone. That's my point. Okay? That is my point and today is the day the release of the phone i am asking for help if you see me on the ledge about to get that phone help me help myself i don't think i ask for much i feel like i'm a giver more than a taker when it comes to this here podcast please I am podcast. another thing that i've talked about a lot I'm sort of getting tired of it, and I thought it, was, I thought it was over. These Uber drivers, they just can't help themselves. If they are not chit-chatting and talking to you endlessly in the car, they are peering back through the rearview mirror, making lingering eye contact. I was in an Uber the other day, Guy felt like he was trying to seduce me with his eyes. I felt like he was trying to make love to me with his eyes, peeking through the rearview mirror. I was so uncomfortable. Every move I make, I wasn't even doing one of my patented cough fits. If I'm coughing in your car and you think like I might pass out, I'm in a cough fit, you have all the right, you, you can fuck look at the rearview, turn around and look at me. I was minding my business. I was on my phone. This guy's like, he thinks we're playing a uh, cat and mouse in the car. He made me uncomfortable. I don't know what needs to happen in these fucking Ubers. It's not a date. I'm not there for you. I'm not going home with you, Duke. Drive me to where I need to get to. Don't be so fucking needy. It's just like a neediness. Leave me be when I'm in the back seat of your Uber, please. I'm uncomfortable. I'm a file of Me Too on one of these motherfuckers. I I I, I got to be honest. I imagine that's the way women feel 99.9 percent of the time in their lives, with the creepy looks and the salacious staring. I, I imagine if, you, if you're if you a halfway decent looking woman, this is what you got to deal with. You got to deal with fucking guys with the lingering eye contact. I understand. I do it. I fucking do it. But I don't want it done to me by another man in the backseat of his car. But I do understand. Can you imagine if you're a beautiful woman or a subpar halfway decent looking girl? If you're not just like a total animal some people like total animals but if you're a decent looking woman you're in the back seat of a fucking uber what you gotta deal with Jesus Christ if they're back there trying to talk to me imagine if some pretty girl comes back there with some perfume on and some lipstick I couldn't even imagine I have compassion But I don't know what you're trying to do, my man. You got a mustache, Duke. You're not my type. I'm going to keep it funky with you. You got a fucking mustache. You don't got a beard or a goatee. You got a mustache and you're making eye contact with me. And I see you and your beady fucking brown eyes and the top of your mustache. None of it is comfortable. I'm going to start videotaping these people because this is not just for the podcast. This is real life shit I'm dealing with. All right, this is the Iron Rapport Podcast. We'll be right back. Draftkings.com. This is the beginning of the beginning of a long, long fantasy football season. Bragging rights and huge cash prizes are up for grabs in this week. Week three of the fantasy football season and all season long at DraftKings, the leader in one-week fantasy sports. How huge? We're talking over two million bucks in total prizes with one-week fantasy at DraftKings. You choose when you play. You choose who you want to play. Draft a new team every week with no season-long commitment At DraftKings. You are the GM. You are the coach. Just choose your players. Stay under the salary cap and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Download the app or go to DraftKings.com now. Use the promo code RAPAPORT to enter a contest for free this weekend with your first deposit and compete for your share of over $2 million in total prizes. $2 million minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right. John Heilman, host, one of the hosts, one of the creators of Showtime's a Circus. Accurate. The first question I have to ask you. now. The show is good, but it's not anything like as
1: advanced as this podcast because I'm like, this is a high tech setup you have here. Oh, man. I like, man, I don't I like even, this. Don't 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 make the people at home jealous. Aud- the audience probably does not recognize what an incredible audio engineering marvel this studio is. Right, right. Because like you I, you thought you were just walking into somebody's apartment? Apartment, I did, and then I come in here, and it's like fucking. You could. It's like electric ladyland here. Right. right? It's like serious. You could record like you know. Right. The, yeah. Some it's serious. It's like. It's like. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Don't make the people at home jealous. I'm not gonna. Now, the first episode of The Circus aired, and before I watched the first episode of The Circus, yeah. I have the notes. I could prove it. I actually wrote down yeah. in the first episode, you interviewed Steve Bannon, who I, I did. I can't stand him.
1: You are not alone in that that regard
0: but you asked the question i actually wrote down because steve bannon is obviously very smart and but the question i wrote was to ask you without seeing the interview on the circus episode one was steve if you're so fucking smart why do you hang around and support and adore donald trump you asked a form of that question yeah so not to even go down that. But my first question to you about your interview with Steve Bannon, and and apparently you've known him for a long time. Now, first, I want first I want to just say to you,
1: do you are you, I know you're an attentive viewer. Yes. Right. I also know you're a hip hop fan. Yes. A big one, giant, epic, yes. like me. Did you? Did you pay attention to the
0: wardrobe choice by Steve Bannon? No, by me. No, I was more checking him out—the size of him, if he had any. I can't. I really listen.
1: I—you I, can't I, stand him. I really don't like him. I know you're not. Again, you're not alone. There are millions of people who hate. I Steve really Benning. don't like him. But my move. What did you wear? I was wearing three a, layers of T-shirts. I know I only had one T-shirt on, but my T-shirt was a Supreme T-shirt with a picture on oh, the front yes. of Chuck D. Yes, I saw that. F- like circa 1990, 91 outside the south lawn of the white house i saw that uh, i
0: would have liked it a little bit more featured because i couldn't tell what i was like is that kendrick lamar it
1: was casual i wanted to casually troll him but i did say off camera to him i said you see this picture here i said he's i know who this is and so he's like is that is that chuck d from public enemy i said yeah it is he's like so and i said well first of all it says fear of a black planet on the back and second of all It's a picture of a guy who's been locked out of the White House. You got one thing in common with Chuck D: you can't get into the White House either. He He, thought that. He he enjoyed that. He
0: thought that was funny. He thought
1: it was funny, not the most subtle form of trolling in the world. That's fine. But it was sort of like it it was sort of like persistent trolling. I thought I'd make him look at Chuck D throughout the entire interview. That would get in his head. It did. I didn't get in his
0: head. No, it didn't. I don't think. Okay, my first question is this. My first question is: What does he smell like? Because he looks like he smells like coffee and old newspaper. (laughs)
1: I did not get close enough to smell him. He, Whatever he smells like was not, a, a, was not a, evident to me at the distance we were seated and standing. Okay. We were not. I, he gave off no negative odor. But again, that may just be because I wasn't close enough. I don't know the answer to that question. Okay. The other thing I'll tell you is that it comes up all the time in social media and other places. People say that drunk Steve Bannon. Mm-hmm. He is... A teetotaler like Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. He claims, again, I can't verify this personally. He claims he's not had a drink in 25 years. I was ready to bring beer to the, to the thing. We were going to watch this movie, this propaganda movie he made, uh, Trump at War.
0: He still thinks he's a fucking filmmaker, right?
1: He does. He, uh, totally. Um, and he, but, he's, but he admitted in the interview, he said to me, the first thing he said, he said, I'm not trying to get to the truth in this movie. I'm a propagandist. I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm trying to motivate people. I'm not trying to tell the truth. So he thinks he's a propagandist. Let's what does be that clear. Mean?
0: What does that mean? Because we hear these words and, yeah. and so much of the news for me, and I'm going to be totally honest, John, yeah. I'm going to be totally fucking genuine. I could give and paid attention, no shits to anything with politics. I'm 48 yeah. since Trump. Was elected. Now that's not a good thing. That's not necessarily a responsible thing. I voted, but like this day in, day out type of thing wasn't my deal. Right. It'd be like the way I paid attention to no bullshit before Trump. Before Trump. Before Trump. And, now, and now you're all in. I'm all in you're because all in. So, I'll tell you a story uh, about that in
1: a minute. But go ahead. But
0: but a lot of times I feel like with the news now I think well, people like myself have sort of caught up. But there's so much terms. There's so many. There's so much language, midterms, this one, get the house, get the, I almost feel like all of us need to go back to like a basic political sort of like, you know, basic course in it. So when you say he says he's a propagandist, what does that mean in layman's terms? Well, I think what he's
1: saying is I am not trying to uh, get to the truth. I'm not doing journalism. I'm not trying to say there's two sides of this issue. I'm not trying to reveal the reality. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to use this document in this case, a film to achieve a certain outcome. I am creating a fiction in a way. I mean, everything on, he's not making, he's not saying he's making a, he's using mostly news footage, right? But he's essentially saying my goal here is to motivate people who support Donald Trump to go and vote in these midterm elections. Because if the Democrats take control of the house or the house and Senate, Trump is fucked. Right. That's his view. His view is, this is existential. He says this is Trump's first re-election campaign. Right. He's like, the left is on fire the way that the right was on fire when the Tea Party popped up back in 2010. If they win the House or the House and the Senate, they're going to impeach Donald Trump. And his view is, the deplorables, that's what he calls them, the Trump voters, because they like that name. Bannon... They like that name. Hillary Clinton said in the campaign right. that they were a basket. So now they've
0: embraced they've it. They've
1: now embraced it. We are the deplorables. I didn't know that they embraced it. So he says they wear t shirts, deplorables. They love that. He says the deplorables oh, are. Oh, because
0: they're so bad and like yeah, we're the underdogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. We're the the fuck
1: out of here. Yeah. So he says the deplorables are complacent. The deplorables are so happy with Trump. They don't believe that anything bad could ever happen to Trump. They say that Democrats will never win. And it's weird, right? They say, their attitude is, uh, in 2016, the ma- the mainstream media told us Hillary Clinton was going to win, and Trump could never win, and Trump won. So now they think anything the media says, any poll, anything they say is bullshit. So when we report, hey, the polls show that Democrats likely are going to take back control of the House, the Trump base is like, you're just lying to us again. And Bannon sees that, mm-hmm. and he's freaked out about I it because he thinks they're going to all stay home the same way a lot of Democrats stayed home in 2016 and not
0: campaign and not do the, not do the due diligence and the
1: extra work or just show up on election day. Uh So his attitude is I got to make a movie to show these, to scare these people basically. Now he sort of denies that, but really if you see the movie, it's really just like if, if you guys don't vote and keep Republicans in control of the Congress, the left is going to take over. They're going to impeach Donald Trump and all these crazy left wing protesters these antifa guys in the black hoods they're going to bash the windows into the starbucks they're going to throw pig's blood on the face of of all of us that's what he's that's what the movie is it's like you know i you know you're not a political guy this isn't politics it's is history i said to him i said people say you're the lenny Riefenstahl. you know who lenny Riefenstahl was no, no but you said that lenny Riefenstahl was the woman who made the propaganda movies for Hitler. Got you. People say, like you're the Lenny Rife install of the, uh, of the alt right. And he's like, that's a little harsh, but basically he's like, yeah, I'm, that's sort of what I am. Now I know you, not the Hitler comparison, I but, got you. but he's, but his thing is, that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to make sure Donald Trump stays in power. And I'm here to try to make sure that we accomplish the shit we want to accomplish. I don't care. I'm not trying to present both sides. I don't care if I'm manipulating images in order to make the left look bad. My job is political. I'm a campaigner, right. not a documentarian.
0: Now, now you can't speak for for Bannon, and I think Bannon sort of represents uh, uh, everything pro Trump. So, what do they want? Like he's in he's in power. He's in office. What do they want? Because. For me, it just seems like Steve Bannon is obviously a smart guy. Yep. He's been in Hollywood, so he can't be, like this whole term of conservative, it's like if you're, we all know that if you're in Hollywood, you're not that conservative. I don't give a fuck who you are. Right. You've seen things, you've done things, you've you've witnessed things, you've hung out at the Chateau Marmont, there's been women, there's been booze, there's been drugs, you're not that conservative when you look at not not political but conservative like oh i have to go to sleep at 8 p.m i am going to do push-ups in the morning because i live a a," bullshit so so what do they want what does he want what the economy is good which i'm going to get to later but what what do they want because it doesn't seem like anything's happening
1: right well okay first of all to your point first point uh, you know we we had a funny exchange about this because he kept saying i would say you know Trump's a moron, you know, and he would say, well, you're, that's just, you're just an elitist saying that stuff. You know, that's you went to Northwestern and Harvard. You're an elitist. I'm like, Steve, you went to Harvard business school. You worked at Goldman Sachs and then you worked in Hollywood. Like who's more elitist than you. Yeah. What are you, what is he talking about? It's ridiculous, right? It's ridiculous. Now he would say that he was also in the Navy. He grew up working class uh, in Virginia and that he, he comes from, from humble roots. Steve would say, He's not. There's
0: a lot of people in Hollywood come from course, humble. Of
1: course, of course, of course. So he's a cause. Cos- so a lot of like LeBron James is a billionaire. He, he came from humble. Roots. He dude. He's he's a on on that level when he like deploys this thing of like you're the liberal media elitist. Yeah, he's a fraud, right? He's a fraud. He's, you, you
0: produce never, movies, motherfucker. Yeah. None of us are con- like. Right. Come on, man. Right.
1: So I think what he would say, and I can, I can channel him to this extent, and I think this is fair because I think it's what he would actually say. He'd say, I'm not really a conservative. He'd say, I'm a populist. And I think what he means by that is, he doesn't, like if you, you had, if you had Steve Bannon here, he had a conversation about abortion, right? A classic conservative thing. He didn't care about abortion. He really doesn't. He doesn't really care about gay marriage or that stuff. Steve is focused on economic Populism. He's obsessed with China. He's obsessed with the idea that there is a dra- downtrodden class of working class, middle class voters who've seen, who've been trampled by the forces of globalization, technology, and the liberal and the liberal elite that's made bankers and other people rich. And his thing is about is about class rage and cultural rage. And you know, there's a whole discussion about whether Breitbart was a platform for anti-Semitism, for white supremacy, and whether he's those things or not. A lot of people think he's a racist and an anti-Semite. Some people think he's not a racist or an anti-Semite, but he traffics in racism and anti-Semitism because that's an important part of this group that they don't like. They hated Obama because they're racist. They don't like the Jews. There is, on the alt-right, a lot of anti-Semitism and a lot of racism. So is he, a, is, he is he those things? Or is he someone who just built a platform that capitalized on those things? Mm-hmm. Both those things are pretty evil, mm-hmm. in, my, in my view. But what he really cares about is he cares about these economics. He, he wants to, he, he is, the things when Trump talks about the trade war, uh, immigration, he's, and this is where you get to the race thing, he's very focused on trying to, re, he's, what he really wants, what Steve really wants, is he wants to make America look like it looked in the 1950s. So, Manufacturing jobs, a, a, a more like bring back what we think of like as the old America. And that's everything from the demographics of it. But I will say that that is, you know, the, the heart of the Trump project is this kind of nostalgia for this America that once existed before the country was, when the country had, in the post war, post World War II era, where There were good jobs at good wages for working-class people uh, who worked in factories and had steel jobs, and there wasn't global competition, and jobs weren't being outsourced to China, and where the country was just a lot whiter, like where it was not as diverse, where it was white guys who ran shit. That's what they are trying to get back to, and you could have a long discussion about whether – any of the stuff Trump's doing will ever get you back there. I don't think you can ever turn back the clock. I, I, it's like, we're living in 2018 now, brother. Like we're not going back, but that's what the core of the program of what they want to try to do. And what he and would say
0: race, racism because forget, forget the illegal aliens. For, for, forget that. Like, for, let's just talk about, let's say no other person ever comes to this country. There's still all sorts of people in this country. Then yeah. there's, there's black people. There's yeah. Spanish people. Yeah. There's Mexican yeah. people. like, there's we're not going backwards yeah. for, for, let's say no one else is ever allowed in this country
1: yeah well
0: there's no way to fix yeah. what they seem needs to be
1: fixed yeah well and the other thing is like you know look there's a there's a thing you got a laptop over there i see yes. it's open there it's got the internet up on yes. it. a little bit of, a little bit of twitter i see over there yes you know the forces of like the reason that the steel jobs and the auto jobs went to china is automation you know, it's like we're the robots are coming, right? There's a big giant thing happening where like the robots are taking right. away these low-skilled jobs. Right. It's a real challenge. He's right that we have a big problem in America with the fact that working class and lower middle class wages have been flat for mm-hmm. a long time. Mm-hmm. Democrats agree about that. Right. The question is, what's the solution to that problem? And is there a way by like opposing tariffs on China or South Korea, is there a way to go back? There's, I mean, most economists are like you're out of your fucking mind like the robots are coming globalization's a fact the internet exists these are not ever gonna we're never gonna turn back the clock on all that stuff the economy has changed in a fundamental way right and we have to adapt to the new world of work and not try to go back to an old world that will never come back but those guys are like if we wage enough warfare we lock the chinese out and we lock the mexicans out we can somehow get back to This America from like father knows best, leave it to beaver shit from the 50s. Opie.
0: Yeah. One of the things that everybody agrees on, and it's fucked up that I feel like we have to reluctantly agree upon because like sort of acknowledging anything that's going on during the Trump era is like, you don't want to do it, but the economy is thriving. Economy's thriving. Okay. That's true. And that's true. And that's great. Great, all for it. And and that that has it, that has some to do with Trump continuing. It has some to do with the Obama administration. It's been a continuation of improvement. Yes, you look at the you look at the the period. If you if you just look at what happened, you know, we had a,
1: almost I had a great depression at the beginning of the Obama administration. Right, right. Obama fixed that. We didn't have the depression. We had a really bad recession, but we didn't have a depression. For the last three years, four years of the Obama administration, we had job growth every month. That's kind of like the job growth we have now. Trump hasn't fucked that up. The economy is a big, giant thing. The president has, can affect it on the margins, but Obama had a lot of job growth at the end, and Trump has had a lot of job growth, very solid for the first, these first two years. That's just a fact. Is it a continuation of Obama? Yes. Is it, does it have something to do with the fact that Trump has given big tax cuts to corporations and that they're feeling fat and happy? Yes, they're both true. So Trump gets a little credit for that, Obama gets a little credit. Trump says, has nothing to do with Obama. I got a lot. Bannon and I had an argument for 20 minutes about this where he said, j- j- my, the Trump economy is so much better than the Obama economy. I'm like, Steve, the job growth numbers, I could print them out here on my computer for you. We'll just look at them. They're basically the same the last three years of Obama, the first two years of Trump. They're the same. He's like, that's not true. I said, it, dude, I, that's your opinion. That's elitism. I'm like, it's not elitism, it's statistics. Are you saying like there's a conspiracy? At the Bureau of Labor Statistics, because I can print that, I can show you the chart. There, it's it's been a continuation. Trump gets some credit. Obama gets some
0: credit. They're making it seem, and like Trump's one of the things that I don't like and I don't understand is they're making it seem like if I go, the economy's gonna fuck up. Uh, it's like scare tech. So my question uh, is this: Can we have a guy who's? Let me try the right word. The right word. Can we have a guy who's a little bit more? Um, not Trump-like. I don't have the right words. A little I'm bit trumpy, more, like a lot. Not as a fucking like just as a lunatic, and have a good economy because he's making it seem like if I go, we're going to all be on the street, you know, with, with with you know soup cans. So can we have a a normal president and a good economy?
1: Yes, we can. And in fact, I would say not just to say, well, we had Obama, right? Because a lot of Republicans think, a lot of conservatives think Obama was you know a socialist or whatever. Obviously not, um, because, well, we could talk about that all day long. But if Jeb Bush had been the Republican nominee, if Marco Rubio had been the Republican nominee and they had won, they would have done on the economy with the, mo- the most important thing that's affected the economy during Trump is that he's deregulated and he's cut taxes. Right. Right. Any Republican would have done those two things. Right. There's a lot of shit Trump does that no Republican or Democrat would do. You spend all day on that, from starting with the Twitter feed to the attacks on the Justice Department, the FBI. But the economic piece of it, those are things that any Republican would have done. So if you think Jeb Bush was boring and not Trump-like, he would have been more humble, more conventional. He would have cut corporate taxes, cut taxes for rich people. And deregulated. Right. So you could, have had a, a, you could have had a Trump set of policies without the Trump uh, lunacy on top of it. I got that. you. The one difference is that Trump started this trade war with a bunch of different people. Which means no, what?
0: In basic terms?
1: It's like he wants to slap t- tariffs, which are basically giant taxes on imports of stuff coming from countries that he doesn't like. Right. China's the main target, but he essentially went around and said, I want to tear down NAFTA. I want to tear down the, the, the Asia-Pacific trade agreement. Uh, free trade is bad. They're taking advantage of it. This is the kind of the Trump grievance thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's like that's what a lot of how he got elected was. People have had a bad time economically in the country. That is true. People are pissed off. They're pissed off at Republicans, Democrats, Washington, Wall Street, Fortune 500, Hollywood, religion, Catholic Church, NFL, people are pissed at every big institution in American life. There's a lot of pissed off people. Right. Trump channeled that. And there are a lot of victims. Trump's obviously not a victim. Have you seen his apartment? He's doing pretty well. No fucking victim. But he has made, he channeled that. And the trade thing is to sort of like, everybody's taking advantage of us. It's like, we're the richest country in the world, dude. Right. We're the richest country in the world. Would you rather be in China? Right. You?
0: No. Me? Anywhere.
1: Nobody, none of there's no one who'd like, well, let's go to China, let's move to China. So, but he acts like, wow, the Chinese have been fucking us for years. They're doing so much better than we are. Really? Like, I mean, you bend up, it hangs you, you know, Guangdong, like you wouldn't want to live there, Donald Trump, in a million years. So, but he, but that is the basis of it, right? It's kind of like, they're all ripping us off. Right. And so because they're ripping us off, we're going to impose penalties on them. We're gonna make it harder for them to send us their goods. We're going to, if they do send us their goods, we're gonna charge them a tax. Basically, is there what are the pros and cons to those? That's one, thing that, that's those one thing that Republicans would not normally do. Well, what are
0: there pros and cons to those? Like, what are the pros and cons?
1: Well, well, what 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 if you're in favor of putting tariffs on a bunch of people? Right, you're you basically are saying you're gonna make it more expensive for them to send their goods here, which means that the cost of doing business is gonna go up there. When the cost of doing business goes up there it makes our workers more competitive because instead of like right now, if you're at, uh, if you're at Ford, right. right, you got cheap labor in China, right? If you make it more expensive for the Chinese to do business, you drive up their labor costs. Now suddenly Ford's like, well, it's just as expensive to do business in China as in America. I'll I got do business you. in America. I got you. That's the theory, right? The, 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 thing on the other side is the reason that cheap labor over there is good drives prices of everything down That computer of yours, you know, everything we've seen this all, you know, there's everything in this house, you know, the TV. You mean high end studio? Every, yeah, the high, sorry, high end studio. High end studio. All of this gear, this microphone in my hand, you know, this is a piece of complex equipment that like 20 years ago would have been $5,000. Right. Now you could buy a high end microphone for like $400, right? Why? Solid state electronics getting cheaper. Everything gets cheaper. And what the reason that people like free trade is like the cheap labor should be where the cheap labor is. Mm-hmm. And the high-end shit should be where the high-end shit should be. And that means that everything's cheaper. Why does everybody in America have air conditioning now? Why does everyone travel? Like the prices of goods have fallen over time because the world is this big, giant competitive market. Trump's kind of like, well, you know what? The, the jobs here are more important than the overall uh, depression or not depression, the overall decline in the I cost of things. So that's like the pro and con thing. Free trade is basically an argument for let the place in the world that can do the shit best, do the shit best and cheapest. Right? Right. So what you, what you, we should, we'll have all the lawyers. We'll have all the Hollywood actors, and mm-hmm. we'll have all the computer software programmers, and you guys can build the cars. Right. That's fine with us. Why do we want to build cars? Right. Trump's like we got to build cars. I got you because like building cars is like the shit we want to do. Right.
0: Paulie Manafort, as I, get- I like to call him, Pavel Walnuts. <laughs> I mean. That's a good one. Mm. You're not a fortune teller. What do you think? What do you presume? Assume? How do you think this is going to play itself out in terms of him saying and the words you you emphasized last night on the show uh, uh, at one point during the interview, all in anything, cooperate with all in anything, although Rudy Giuliani uh, uh, was on Twitter saying, I heard they do fake sources and anonymous sources when they want to. But all in anything should just say Trump. Because everybody's emphasized all in anything, which means all in anything. How do you presume this is going to uh, – this is going to play itself out.
1: Well, I'll take exception to the one thing you just said, because he could have information that could lead to the indictment of Don jr. I want Don jr. Down lead to the indictment of Jared Kushner. Like there's Manafort could have information that don't, doesn't just speak directly to Trump. Obviously Trump is the big kahuna, right? That's the main thing. Don jr. Would be,
0: but Don jr. I'd be at the fucking legs, but do you know, he's so sick. I don't, I think he'd keep going he'd be like, eh. yeah,
1: we'll see. I don't know about that. I don't. So look, here's the, here's the thing. Manafort now works for Bob Mueller. That's what this is. That's what this is. It's like in perpetuity, forever, going forward on anything that Bob Mueller wants that he thinks Manafort knows about. Manafort, in order to try to get a, you could get a reduced plea, you get a reduced uh, sentence. He's basically saying, "I work for you. I'm your. I'm your bitch." If this was so the Sopranos, you,
0: he'd be a fucking rat. Yes, he'd be. He, he's he's a rat.
1: And not just once, but forever. I mean, the the agreement basically says for from as long as this investigation goes forward at the federal level at any state level at the fed, at the, the, the SDNY Virginia uh, the, anything. The, the, anything that any law enforcement officer or investigator wants to know that relates to this stuff we come to you. We want those answers. If you have, if you have information, we will ask you. You're a fucking rat, Paul. We, we will ask you, and you will tell us the truth. And if you don't tell us the truth you and throw everything, throw you in the fucking prison. We we you're, the agreement's off. The, the agreement's off. You don't get the reduced sentence anymore. You go for the rest of your life. Fuck you. So his thing is, I got it now. I am I am your bitch. Mr. Mueller, I'm your bitch. I have to answer every question. I have to tell you everything I know about anything you're interested in that I know anything about.
0: Now, question. So when he's he, answering those questions, yeah. do you think he's ever on his hands and knees? When when Mueller's asked, do you think he ever puts the knee pads on? Not not to do anything. He's just, he's on his hands and knees. I'll answer anything you want, and I'm on my hands and knees. I,
1: I, my best, do you imagine under, that? My best understanding of uh, Bob Mueller's prosecutorial... Uh, modus operandi is that it does not look like a Quentin Tarantino.
0: Film. Okay. I just ask That's my best understanding. Question. I know I'm not, I'm not offended. I'm an investigator. You, I'm not, you're, you're not just, offended. I'm just, just, trying to get information.
1: I'm telling you the, the best to the best of my knowledge. Okay. So I think, you know, you've got a situation where the guy knows a lot. It's not just that he was the campaign chairman as Trump likes to say for a very short period of time, um, at a crucial time in his campaign, not that he with campaign chairman. He lived in Trump tower for 20 years. Hmm. He's been involved in Trump's shit for decades. He's been involved in Russian and Ukrainian shit for decades. If you believe, uh, as many do, that Trump's connections to dirty Russian money goes back, it's not about the campaign, it goes back to the casino business in Atlantic City. It goes back to real estate development in New York City and all over the world that, that as the kids said publicly on the record, hey, we don't, we'll never need any money. We got a lot of sources of money in Russia. They said that. On the record, six years ago, before I knew this was a big deal, the, the, the sons bragged about how much money they got out of Russia. Now mm-hmm. it's like, Trump, I don't know anybody in Russia. I never met a Russian. What are you talking about? Pauli Walnuts hmm. has been in that world of dirty Russian money for a long time, and he's been in Donald Trump's world for a really long time. His partner, Roger Stone, for a long time. Stone, Manafort, lobbying superpowers in Washington, D.C. Stone, the original Donald Trump political consultant, wanted him to run for president for 20 years. These guys have been hanging out and talking about business and favors that they could, that people could do. Schemes, scams. Scam, all that shit. Women, for whatever. a long time. The Giants, the Yankees, anything. So, what does Paul Manafort know? He knows a lot. He knows a lot about Donald Trump. His history, his business, his connections to Russia, money laundering potentially, uh, Russian mafia ties. Uh, You know, there's, Trump's got, these are not, I'm not making, these are things that are in the public record. Mm -hmm. Trump has business associates that for a long time have been tied to Russian uh, organized crime. Trump was trying to build Trump Tower Moscow all the way up until the Republican convention in 2016. He had Michael Cohen over there still in Moscow that summer. While he was the Republican nominee trying to negotiate a business deal with Putin to build Trump Tower Moscow, which he'd been wanting to do for 20 years. Manafort knows about that. Manafort knows about the meeting when the Russians came to Trump Tower and saying we have dirt on Hillary Clinton. Uh, Manafort knows about why the Republican uh, platform got changed to suddenly be more pro-Russian and more uh, anti-the existing great government Ukraine. Manfred knows a lot of stuff about a lot of stuff. Right. It's not a small thing he knows. He knows some things, very important things about some very big, high-profile things, and he knows a lot of shit about a lot of other really important, less high-profile shit. They are the, the the people I know who are prosecutors who have done this kind of thing before. Their first reaction to the plea agreement was, "Mueller's going to have to build a, going to have to have separate teams. Like it's not going to be like a conversation, uh-huh. three conversation. It's going to be like we got." Team Russia, over uh-huh. r- Russia, the money laundering team over here, the Trump Tower meeting team over here, the women team over here. It's like, it's he's going to have to, it's so extensive and what Manafort knows is so vast that he's going to have to build little prosecutorial individual teams In to segment out the information that ties to various parts of the investigation. I got you. It is a big, big fucking deal. Okay. He's the, he's the prize. You couldn't get a better rat. If you were trying to get someone to flip, you already got Michael Cohen. Now you got
0: Paul Manafort. The only people bigger than that are family members. Honest to God. Like, and, and Paul Manafort could very well know more than, I mean, you don't think how much would he pro- Eric and fucking Donald Jr. Those two fucking idiots. Donald Trump knows I can only tell these, I call them the dumb fuck brothers. Yeah. I can only tell the dumb fuck brothers so much.
1: Let's say, let, let us just say for the, for the record here that Paul Manafort is um, measurably smarter than either one of the two Trump sons.
0: Right, and he's their... He, uh,
1: however, you know, Jared Kushner, smart guy. Right. Ivanka, smart lady. So, I, again, but I'm just saying, if you're a prosecutor and you're looking for the rat... He's the guy. The, Manafort and Cohen were the guys. Now they got them both. And they got the accountant. And they got David Pecker from the national Enquirer with that vault right. that safe, right. Full of secrets. They got right. that guy. So who's left. The only people left to flip are, he's the family. And you know, if you're Mueller, yeah, you'd I, you know, if you could flip Don jr or flip or flip Jared Kushner, I'm not saying of for will, but I'm saying on your target list as a prosecutor, who do I want to get to roll on Trump? They've rolled pretty much That's everybody. Like the, now. Cherry on the, top. the last ones up there, the only ones left who know a lot of shit that you'd want to know who aren't
0: cooperating now are the family. Your show, The Circus. Yeah. You guys basically do a mini documentary a week. Every week. And it airs on Sunday. Correct. How so just talk, talk to me technically about the show. This week, yeah. there's we're doing this interview, and I, I, I try to keep them timeless, but we're doing this interview on a Monday. So many different things will happen from now until that you air the show. Like you might go, okay, this week. We're going to do what? what? What would be the sort of two or three things for this week's show that you zero in on? Well, first of all, let me say,
1: it's the, <clears throat> this is the most, I, I, I say this not in a boastful way, but just in a, in a factual way. It is the most, the show is the most fantastically complicated, uh, the combination of logistical and, edito- and editorial complexity. We start shooting usually on Monday, sometimes on Sunday night. When we've just put one episode to bed, we sometimes are shooting on Sunday night. We shoot for five or six days. We have shot as late on Saturday as Saturday Night Live. Right. Where we you know, we came out here during the during the campaign and flew out here to, from New Hampshire with Bernie Sanders and shot him going into Thirty Rock to right. be on Saturday Night Live. Right. That's Saturday night. The right. The show's on Sunday. Okay. Right. So it's a, the whole thing is a giant rolling crash edit and you it's not like a normal documentary a documentary normally you shoot everything you do all the interviews you do all the work in the field and then some yeah, guy sits down bad. they look at it they log all the stuff then you put it together <laughs> like a jigsaw puzzle we can't do that because we couldn't we shoot so much over the course of the week that we couldn't wait till saturday to start looking at it too late we got to be cutting and editing as we're go- moving through the week, Showtime, very generous with us and, and incredibly trusting of our ability to do this. They still want to see something over the course of the week. Uh-huh. They want to see some stuff by Thursday just to make sure that we're not all out like fucking smoking weed and not doing anything, uh-huh. which it would be like if it were just my show, <laughs> there's a chance on Thursday's day, you'd be like, hey, what's going to be in the show this week? It's going to be like, uh, I don't yeah. know. Shit, wait, there's a show? you know. Right. So we got to cut as we're cut. We got edit rooms running hot all week long. So we shoot on Monday. There's guys in the in the avid rooms are cutting on Tuesday, and building a kind of rough version of the thing, knowing that fair amount of the stuff we shot on Monday might never make the episode. Because
0: Friday, who because knows what's going to happen? Correct. Correct. Something bigger than
1: everything you've planned yes. that was great. And so, more current because the sh- because the news cycle is so fast, and there's and you want you know you, the, one of the great things of the show is people love that they walk on Sunday and they see some news that happened on Friday or Saturdays in our show. They're like, right. wow, you guys are amazing, right? But that means that the stuff that happens at the end of the week, as the week builds, takes ends up being more important than the stuff at the early part of the week. Plus, we don't really know what we're doing at the beginning of the week. We're kind of making it up, right? Right? We're, like, trying to speculate. And in Trumpland, like in the old days when we did the campaign, you'd be like, oh. The New Hampshire primary is on Tuesday. That's going to be a big deal. Who's going to win? You know, we're shooting that week. We're going to shoot the New Hampshire primary. Who wins? Then what happens after that? Like Tuesday's
0: like three months ago at this that point. The
1: calendar would tell you something about how to make the episode because you would kind of have some idea. Here's where we have, camp, we, have, we have elections, a primary, a caucus, whatever. In Trump world, like, there's, you know, 35 things happening all the time. And you never know which one's going to catch fire and which one's going to burn out. Trump goes crazy on Twitter. Suddenly it's like, well, that's the new big story. And we have to try to decide every week what's the important stuff Mm -hmm. and what's the stuff people are going to care about, not just on Sunday, but hopefully in the future. And what's like, it's, there's a lot of, there's wheat and chaff, right? Mm -hmm. With Trump, Trump is like a human chaff machine. Mm -hmm. He just is constantly throwing out chaff, right? Fake controversies, fake, uh, fights. He's just, he just generates so many bullshit headlines that like, you got to really stay focused on what mattered this week, right? What's the important thing. And so it's hard the answer is I don't really know. Like right now, this morning, sitting here, I know you say you like to keep these things p- timeless, but this morning, right now, you know the question of Judge Kavanaugh and his his nomination in the Supreme Court now is in significant imperilment because this woman has come forward. First, it was an anonymous allegation. Now, this woman came forward yesterday and put her name to these accusations of sexual assault from high school. Her lawyer went on the Today Show. This morning. And said. And said she's ready. To, she wants a hearing. She's ready to testify. She wants to come up to Capitol Hill. The Republicans were praying yesterday. Now that this woman has a name attached to her, she's willing to talk. They were all praying that she would say, I do not want to come to. I, right. I, I've, I I've made myself known. I've, well, now she known. She, like, I've made my name known. I've said what I need to say, but I don't want to be up there with all the cameras. I don't want my life scrutinized. I'm done. Because then they could say, well, she doesn't want a hearing. We have to respect her. Let's vote on Kavanaugh. Right. Now she's saying she wants to come and do a hearing. So Mitch McConnell now, he's already got a number of Republicans, Jeff Flake, Bob Corker, some others who are saying, we need to hear from this woman before we vote. She now says she wants to be heard from. So how long does that take? Everybody's got to do investigations. They got to do research. The committee staff's got to get brief. She's oh got to get God. ready. McConnell wanted to have the committee vote on Thursday. And mm-hmm. that happened.
0: No, nah, they slowed the whole
1: they, thing like down. They, there's no way they can have the vote on. She's not going to be able. She lives in California. She's not going to get here by, they're not going to get here, here tomorrow. Mm-hmm. This is, a, doing a committee hearing like this takes time. Mm-hmm. So now they're all freaking out because the longer the Republicans are, they thought Kavanaugh was a slam dunk. Right. And he was going to be the one thing that every Republican in the country would be like, Trump is great. He got us Kavanaugh. Now oh, it's like, the
0: fall. I mean, this now is it's incredible. like,
1: now it's like, well, maybe he gets through, maybe he doesn't get through, but even if he gets through, he's got a sexual assault allegation against him and Republicans have a big problem with women voters. So like the thing they all wanted to say in the fall, Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh. It's like, well, now, even if he gets through they still have a problem, right? right. This is going to get ugly real fast. And again, I don't. I, I'm not being. i I'm just. I'll just lay it out there. I've seen enough of these things. I covered uh, Clarence Thomas and Anita Hill. I was when I first got to Washington was the board was when Bork was happening, right? So I've seen this shit happen. Harriet Myers. They, it take, these things can take on the quality of a wildfire, and everything seems like it's under control until all of a sudden somebody lights the match and throws it onto the field. And one thing about Clarence
0: Thomas, it was no internet.
1: Right. And all of a sudden it's a brush fire. So again, I'm, I'm not predicting any of this, but if there are other women out there, the likelihood of them coming forward now is much higher. So, and every reporter in the country is looking for them now. So is that going to happen? I don't know. Might not happen. This may be the only allegation. And this allegation may be false. I don't know. Right. All I know is the media environment we live in right now is there's blood in the water. Now there's blood in the water. Democrats are like, we didn't think we had a chance to stop this shit. Right. And now we have a chance to stop this shit. And reporters are now like, we thought this guy, he'd been vetted before. He's already a federal judge. They thought they'd everything. We knew everything. It's like, now well, we don't know everything. There's other shit to find out. So this week, Kavanaugh... What would the storyline be? Gonna be a big story. Well, we're planning to go and do. I, I, what is this going? When are you going to, when you going to post this? Friday, thing? probably. Friday. Friday. So we right now. I'm not going to give away much more about the episode. We were planning after last week. We were planning this week to get out on the campaign trail in a pretty decisive way with a kind of special episode that I'm not going to reveal even for your Friday podcast. But okay. we that was our. We were like it's, we with the first week we thought we were going to do that last week, but then other things happened. The storm happened. You know, so we didn't do it. This week, our plan on Sunday, Saturday, our plan was we're going to get out and do a big campaign out on the road, which is what we're going to do for most of the rest of this run is be out Senate races, governor's races, House races, following Trump around, presidential candidates on the Democratic side, them running around the country. Let's do all that shit. That's Mm -hmm. what we're going to do for the rest of the run. So this was going to be our first week out on the campaign trail. But now the Kavanaugh thing is like, well, we're not going to ignore that. So how do we balance those two things? And how much of it becomes Kavanaugh? Does Kavanaugh take over the whole episode? Right. I don't know. Well, you could wake up uh, on next Sunday, and we could end up being all Kavanaugh, right? Depending on what happens, and who knows, it
0: could be a little Kavanaugh, and who something else could fall out of the sky. Uh, right, of
1: course, you know Trump could you know you know launch a you know a a, a preemptive like you know peanut strike or something on uh, on uh, you know Indonesia. I don't
0: know. You, know. you know, as 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 a filmmaker and as the, the you know one of the creators of the show, are you able to sleep during the the season of the show.
1: I, I haven't had a decent night's sleep since like nineteen eighty six, so I
0: don't know. How, how, how bad. not about the show? How worse does it get during worse, this? I can't even imagine. Worse,
1: worse, worse.
0: It's a lot of fucking work, right? It's a
1: lot of fucking work.
0: How many editors are there?
1: Uh,
0: like key editors. Well, I mean, we like I
1: said, we have like five or six avid rooms that run pretty much full time all the time. Now that's not you know, avid rooms mean editing and, and edit and room, editors. And edit room and
0: but it's and but each we, one has a second, like and, two two or three people in Yes, yeah,
1: correct. And they run in shifts because we gotta be editing all the time. They're
0: drinking coffee, Red yes, Bull, they're doing push ups, yes, burpees,
1: the whole thing to yes, keep themselves going. Right. Right. Um, burpees, you're, um, you're,
0: yeah. So it's a, it, we have at
1: any given time, we probably have about a hundred people working on the show. Okay. So if you talk That's about the cruise, of of like people. right now we'll have this right now, we have four permanent cruise crews in the field, crews, about 10 people on a crew right. plus talent. So you're right there close to 50 just in terms of the, of the crews that are out at any given point. And then you got people in the post-production, the people who are working those, in those editing rooms, plus, you know, PAs and, and, and people at the sound high like, executive, people, the, whole people, the whole thing. Right. So it's a lot of people. And because, you know, like, as it, I'll tell you what's exhausting when, and he's talking about getting sleep, uh, you know, uh, we come back at the end of a long week where we've shot all this footage for crews out there shooting all day long, doing interviews, uh, fly on the wall, Verite, all this stuff. We come back and, and, as I say, we've been kind of building the show, run taking the building the plane on the runways. We're mm-hmm. taking off the whole week, but in the end, we got to take a file that's a half an hour long and ship it to Showtime at about three o'clock on Sunday afternoon. So that means that we got to really be locked by late morning on Sunday, making sure everything's bagel clean. cream cheese locks final edit. So we basically are all in there from Saturday morning until Sunday morning is a 24 hours where everybody's just up. So like I my my time when I'm on the show. That's rough. When I'm on the show, I'm on the road Monday through Friday, sometimes Monday through Saturday, sometimes Sunday through Saturday. Doing interviews. But by the time but by the time I get back at the end doing interviews and shooting and doing all the stuff we do. And we're running around all over the country a lot of times. But pretty much every week after that exhausting week of like not sleeping and doing and running and jumping and all that shit. We come back and I walk over to the left-right television, the guys who were our production partners on this. I walk over to those guys. They have a place over in Chelsea where all this happens. Uh, I walk in the door at about 6 o'clock at night and I usually leave about 6 in the morning. So it's like every Saturday night is an all-nighter on top of all the rest of the shit that goes on. Everyone by the end of the run is like on the verge of walking pneumonia or or dead. I can imagine. I don't want to tell you how many people we've actually killed on the show. Don't say that. that Don't indict yourself. That would be incriminating.
0: Um, In the most unbiased way, for me and for my listeners and for other people, if I said to you, John, where do you get the best, if it exists, real news? Because we know the fake news, fake news, fake news. And whether you're on uh, the left, the right, the in-between we we all have sort of learned that there's things are skewed. So if I say John, where's the best place for me to start sort of informing on myself, getting the most fact-based news? Where would you say like the three places, whether it's reading, television? or or on on the computer to get the best source of news besides the
1: circus. I, I will I will take I will I'm going to put aside <laughs> the television question just because you know one of my other jobs is I work at MSNBC and NBC News. So I'm biased about about those places. Um, and I'm, I'm just not going to take it, I'm gonna take it out of the equation. I don't want to comment either. I, don't, I either want to blow our horn or or trash our competitors. Let me just say the, the the two of the places that Donald Trump says are the worst fake news are the places that are in fact the straightest news you can get and the places you want to go. And both of them are a, a, are a, a, a miracle uh, and a salvation uh, for anybody who cares about the country and about knowing what's going on. The New York Times, The Washington Post. There's a lot of them out there, and I don't want to shortchange anybody. The New York Times is the greatest news institution in the world, in television or print. And, and you can say whatever you want about the New York Times editorial page and the op-ed writers and you know their positions. They are reliably liberal, not all the op-ed writers, but the editorial page has a reliably liberal slant. It is what it is. Um, there are a lot of liberal leaning, but there's now more conservative. They've made an effort to try to diversify their opinion pages. But when it comes to straight news, the New York Times is the greatest, the greatest news institution in the history of the country. The failing New York Times. The failing New York Times. And the Washington Post... Is, is also a great institution, another great institution, that both of them have been always great, in my opinion. Not flawless. They make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. But they are trying to do the country's business, trying to find out the truth and hold powerful interests accountable every day, day in, day out. And I will say that just like in the Nixon era, when there was a renaissance, a moment of great flourishing, of, in the moment of crisis for the country, a criminal president who needed to be driven out of office those institutions stood up and did some of the best work that they'd ever done mm-hmm. it is the case again that those two institutions along with a lot of others but just i'm i'm pointing to those two for the sake of this conversation they have really in this moment of conspiracy theories genuine fake news like you know alex jones made up crazy shit on the internet Nobody got shot at Sandy Hook. Fuck Trump that guy. Trump, Trump out there talking about how 3,000 people didn't really die in Puerto Rico. All this bullshit, those guys have stood up and said, we are going to pl- step up our game in this moment uh, where everyone is, people like you who were like, I don't really care about politics, but now I care about politics. That's the way it is all over the country right now. And those two institutions have really stood up and said, "We're going to play. We're going to play at above the game we've ever played at before." And they've done an incredible job. And I think, you know, um, again, not flawless. Mm-hmm. They made mistakes, um, but they're very, very. They're, if I had to, if I had to shut off everything else and just say, "I'm just going to like you I got you, you can only have one news source," I would not only I would I say the New York Times. Failing New York Times. The failing New York Times. Not you only not would say I say the. Correctly. The failing the failing new york failing times, new york times. Man. not only would i say the failing new york times but i would
0: happily be like i can live with that okay one of the places that he has gone after new nbc nbc fakest of the fake yeah, well, the shittiest of the shit
1: he goes out i mean it's funny he actually goes out after cnn more than he does NBC.
0: But he's, but he's made his streamlines, like he's named names with the NBC. He, he has, you know, he does not, well,
1: you know, he doesn't, he, I, I, yes, he's got a lot of enemies. Right. Let's be honest. The Failing New York Times is another example. But yeah, he goes after NBC. He does. Um, he does. I'm, I'm not, I'm, look, I think my colleagues at MSNBC and NBC do a great job. Right. And, and I think, you know, they're ridiculous. I feel the same way about CNN. I think, you know, his, his basic definition of fake news is news he doesn't like. Right. That is what it is. That's all it is. So- Again, no, no, there's no perfect institution, but, but I think that day in and day out, the people that I work with are interested in trying to find the truth and trying to hold po- powerful interests to account whether they're Republicans or Democrats. But at this moment, they're interested in trying to hold Donald Trump to account because apart from everything else, again, this is an objective statement of fact, not a partisan thing and not fake news. The president just lies more than any president ever has in history. There's, he
0: might lie them more than any person, yeah. even like
1: great liars. <laughs> I mean, he's, you know, there's a running tally. There's the, these guys who do them now. He's like averaging six to seven public lies a day. Just blatant misstatements, falsehoods, demonstrably, provably false statements. So when you have i I've never seen that before. I've covered George W. Bush, Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, George Herbert Walker Bush, Republicans and Democrats. All of them have lied. All of them, every single one. Some have lied more, some have lied less. But Trump is, in order of magnitude, greater as a liar. And if you're in the media, one of your fundamental obligations is, like, when you see a public official saying that down is up and up is down and red is blue and blue is red, you got to call him out on that shit. Yeah, it's wild. And, and, again, no institution is perfect, but I think when I go, to, when I go walk in the doors at MSNBC and NBC, I basically see a bunch of people who are, like, mostly focused on trying to make sure that Trump – who occupies that office and occupies it in a different way than anybody else ever has is called on his shit. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we're supposed to do.
0: Um, My final question is, and again, you're not a fortune teller. So I, I, I hate to ask, you know, these questions like, you know, for sure, who has the most chance of taking down Trump in a presidential election in 2020. Now this is two and a half years from now. Okay. It'll start in about a year and some change. Anything could happen with these fucking allegations in this, but based on everything we know right now, I, I don't see who we have. Who, well, are you, who you're gonna have a lot of people, which is kind of the. Can I, I run? Somebody, somebody, you, uh, How man, do, what do I gotta
1: do, you, you, dude? Given the way the Democratic primary, you're a Democrat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if you're gonna run as a Democrat, all you gotta do is say, "Hey, I'm running, man." And You'll join like 30 or 40 other guys. Could be you and uh, and the Rock. I mean, I think maybe a Republican. I, don't I know. think he'd be Mark better- Cuban. Howard Schultz. I used to think Kanye was going to run on the Democratic side, but now I think he's obviously he's going to want I maybe mean, he might be Trump's he might be Trump's Can't even make mate. a
0: good record. He can't run for he, fucking
1: He might be Trump's running mate. You know? Right. Right. If, if Pence has to go, it could be Trump Kanye 2020. Can you imagine?
0: I, I I can now at this point. You yeah. would think like a year ago, get the fuck out of here. That's a very that could happen.
1: I uh, see, here's the thing, and this is why I think you don't have a great chance. Okay? I don't. I don't think you do. God damn it. It's partly because- you know how I, This whole
0: interview was to get to this point right. here. <laughs> you just I, knocked me off my horse. You, you just said, I don't have a great chance. I'll tell you why. That's fine. I'll tell you why. Fine.
1: You are, you are I believe, a truth teller, yeah. which is important. Yeah. But you are also brash. Yes. And, 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 That's and, why. And, and you're brash. I think that the, that, that, that the way that our politics work at the national level, and I mean, I'm stealing this from David Axelrod, Barack Obama's former chief strategist. Yeah. His thing is always the theory of, of that when there's a, whenever there's a president, that what the people are looking for uh, with the next president after that is an antidote to the previous president. So it's like he's like, people ask, how could Trump get elected after Barack Obama? And Axelrod would say, well, of course, Trump is the opposite of Obama. I totally agree. How could Obama get elected after eight years of Bush? Of course, Obama's the opposite of Bush. Totally agree. So in that world, I'm not trying to say you're Trumpy. No, I... But you are I, But you are a brash, outspoken New Yorker.
0: Yes. You're a little too close to Trump, even though I know you believe in the truth. The only reason why you're I would little, think that somebody like me, or actually me, could win is because there is no Obama. So... The whole theory of when they go low, we go high. I say with this animal, when they go low, we go fucking lower. That's what I'm saying. So it's like it's like with a knockout puncher. Like we we, we don't have an Ali to fight Foreman. Let's say he's Foreman. We don't have an Ali to, to rope a dope and a, We need a guy. We need Tyson for Foreman because who's our Ali?
1: So here's the thing. I think there's going to be uh, there's going to be a bunch of people who are in the camp of. Uh, you got to fight Trump. You got to take it to him on his own terms. You got to like play his game in his way. Again, that kind of fights against the theory of opposites. But if you like that theory, you know, who's going to just beat the living shit out of Trump, right? There's a lot of people who are all excited about Michael Avenatti. Nope. I'm just, I'm I'm just, I'm just, I'm not, I want to tell you right now. Nope. I want to tell you right now. I'm not going to advocate anybody, nor am I going to predict. I'm saying no. I'm just saying there are a lot of people excited about that. No. And they think street fighter, understands media, et cetera, et cetera. No. Okay. I think there's a, you know, that when that in, in you think about the, there's a whole um, reality in Demo- the Democratic Party. And it's going to be even more pronounced after this October, November, which is if the Democrats do take back control of the House or the House and the Senate, the way it's going to happen and what it's going to look like is – the Democratic base, women, 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 African-Americans, Hispanics, those that they are going to drive this takeover. So if it happens, we're going to look up on election night and say, because we're looking back over what's happened in these off-year elections, special elections, just see, how did Doug Jones, the Democrat, win in Alabama? Black women. Mm-hmm. That's how it happened, okay? So if, we, if Democrats have a big night on November 6th, people are going to say, how did that happen? More women running, energy among women who are pissed off at Trump. They hate Trump. African American ladies, uh, the Hispanic men. It's going to be about the, that base. So, in that world, is a white guy like an old white guy like a Joe Biden, a John Kerry, a Bernie Sanders? Even is that guy going to appeal, or are you going to be talking about people who are like Senator, you know, Kamala Harris, you know, fiery prosecutorial African American woman? Uh, or are you going to be talking about someone like Beto O'Rourke even? The guy right. who's running down in Texas. Beto O'Rourke, you know, he's, he's a he's a white guy, but he's young, he's dynamic and he's going to get a shitload of Hispanic votes in Texas if he wins. Mm-hmm. If he wins. You know, there's people, I'm not saying these people are going to win or going to run like, like Alexander Octavio Octavio Cortez. She's not going to run for president. But the fact that those kind of people are having a moment in the Democratic Party, if I'm Joe Biden or uh, Bernie Sanders, or even Elizabeth Warren. If you're like an older white person, I, I just like that identity matters a lot in the Democratic Party. So maybe it's someone who's uh, a younger, more diverse candidate. So I, I point to Cory Booker or, or, or Senator Harris. There are good examples of the kind of person. Uh, maybe it's someone who is the opposite of Trump in this way. They get shit done. So Bloomberg's name. So, so I think, you know, the mayor of New York city, Mike Bloomberg, a former boss of mine. I like the guy uh, again, an older white man. Uh, but you know, let's think about someone, you don't don't people you haven't heard about so much. Mitch Landrew, the mayor of new Orleans, uh, I, I Eric, know. Eric Garcetti, the mayor of Los Angeles. Let's think of the guy Bedig, uh, who's the mayor in Indiana, in Indianapolis. Can they
0: actually be his president?
1: Well, I don't know the answer. Like, dude, now you're asking me to pretend. Right, jo- right. I, you don't, you don't you're have asking me, who do it. I think the guy's going to be? I'm saying like, if I'm thinking about it among a, a cast of thousands who could run, I look, I'm just thinking about who's got in that big giant field. Who's going to have a, a running room. I got, you You know, a, a candidate who appeals to this, this new democratic base. That's not new, but more empowered of non-white, non-men. That's one category where someone's going to emerge who's going to have a shot. And then maybe there's something that's like the guy who, who runs a diverse city in America, Los Angeles, New Orleans, pick your city, but some mayor who's like, you know what? Trump doesn't know shit about, like, and I got crime down here. I dealt with opioids. I got the trash collected. I cut local taxes. And and people in this complicated, diverse city where I manage men and women, black and brown, uh, Asian, I, I, I was a unifying figure at the city level, and I mm. know how to accomplish something. I understand how to make something run and work right. That's totally opposite of this doofus in the White House. I'm I got unifying, you. and I'm and I can get shit done. That's going to be a lane. I, again, I can't get I can't get closer than that. I can kind of like look and see. I got you. where the types are, and then it's going to be a fucking bloodbath.
0: Oh, it's going to be a fucking
1: bloodbath. You know, it's going to be a bloodbath. They're all gonna they're they're gonna they're gonna be you know, it's Democratic primaries are fractious, and this one's going to be especially fractious because there's going to be a lot of people in it. And I guarantee you, the other thing I'll say is that I guarantee you, there's going to be some Democrat. That when you and I come back here 18 months from now and I come back over here yes. to do this again. In the high end studio. Yeah, in the high end studio because I like there cause the snacks are so good. Yes. And, you know, and you know, it's like, you know, there's a
0: Yeah, you got assistance.
1: Yeah, right. I get oh my God, all these people here. getting needs. a manicure, pedicure while
0: I, we're doing the play? While podcast. we're doing
1: the thing, I got a condition in one hand. Uh, you know, the whole thing. When I come back here, there's gonna be someone who we have never heard of. Oh god. Gotcha. Who's going to be one of the ones that we're going to go, wow, that person really? Mm -hmm. Who's going to be like, you know, the unknown, like really super charismatic state legislator, you know, like some first generation immigrant from Cambodia or Korea, who's, you know, a lesbian state legislator in Spokane, Washington, who you've never heard of. A lesbian,
0: cisgender. You know what I'm saying?
1: He's going to come out of nowhere and we're going to go. Okay. I got you. And he's going to get lightning in a bottle. There's going to be someone like that. Again, I'm not predicting they will be the nominee. I got you. But someone who's going to pop up who no one's talking about today. Okay. We're going to go, wow, that person. They're going to win a couple primaries at
0: least. And we're going to be like, wow, could that person be the nominee? Right. I don't know. All right. John Heilman. Am I saying your last name? Is Heilman. That's fine. The circus, 8 p.m. Eastern. From now, how long is this season going to go? I want to
1: ask you one question right now. Yes, I'll tell you the answer this. Just of all the film roles you've ever had, yes. What's your favorite? The one that, like, when you look back, you're like, man, that's my that's my Hall of Fame. If I you have only one Michael Rappaport movie role, I know what
0: mine is for you. But you, I want to hear what you have to say. You know, I, I, and I'm not being unbiased. It's so hard to pick one because it, it changes, you know, and it, and it evolves. The film that I think that I did that resonated the most with the most people that was probably the greatest like excitement to get cast in it, getting cast into it, um, the, the the shooting process, and then the results, all those things, and the time of it, and the innocence of where I was at in my career is true romance. Okay, good.
1: That's good. I, I was afraid you were going to be delusional and (laughs) and not say true romance (laughs) because if you didn't say if you said something else i would have been are you fucking high
0: what's wrong with you but all the things like you know wanting to be in it oh my god reading the script before i even knew i was going to be in it sure the quentin tarantino the tony scott like all those things my memories of it because you you sometimes do things uh i've done some films or shows or whatever and you know you don't think it's going to be good and it is good or you don't really like it but people like it this was like everything All your expectations it lived up to, and twenty five fucking years ago, people at least once a day someone brings up true romance.
1: Dude, I'm a you know you know I told you before before we started I'm a big fan of the of the tribe doc and 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 your dog's
0: name is Fife dog dog and you had a, a clearance. Clearance,
1: clearance from Malik himself. The great five dog. Thank the great, the great five dog, Malik Malik Taylor. Um, who uh, I, I couldn't name that. I didn't want like I thought it might be a little disrespectful. Like somebody yeah, who was yeah, more yeah. touchy. He said, like, sweetheart. You're naming my do your dog after me. I thought the dog like when I saw the when we first got he's a great dane. And when I saw him first, I looked at him like it kind of looks like Fife, you know? And my wife was like, he totally looks like Fife. I'm like, well, we got, I don't want to name him this. It's not okay. And then then we asked him. He had a great sense of humor. He had a great sense of humor. And he, you know, saw the picture of the dog. I was like, yeah, that's right. So I just got to say, I love that movie. And I, I'm a big fan of yours. And you do a lot of things that I admire, including this incredible podcast in this opulent studio. But I got, I will say this. The main thing about true romance is that like, there's a category of movie. And I know you're this guy. There's like. Many movies I've seen that are great films that I've seen them once and I will never watch them again. Yeah. And I watched them and I said, this is a great movie, I'll never watch it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll see it once again, you know, but not really. Yeah. They're Schindler's List. Who never wants to s- sit through that? I never see that movie again. I, I, do brutal. I think it's a great movie? Yeah. It's a great movie, but I'm never going to watch I'm it good. again. There's another category of film, especially for guys, I know that women aren't always quite like this, that we watch over and over again. Yes. Right? And there's movies that fall into that bucket. They are the movie that you can watch if you watched it once, you could watch it 500 times. Yes. To have been part of a movie that is in that bucket. Yeah. That there are people, and I know not just men, but women who are like, true romance, man. Yeah. If yeah. I don't watch that movie once a year, I get, a, I get an itch. I get a Twitch. I got to see it. I see it on cable. I'm like, Oh, I haven't seen true romance in six months. I got to watch that again. Or I'll watch half half an hour of it. Yeah. I don't even need to see the whole thing. I just, I got 45 minutes. I'll watch true romance. That's like, that's special to be in a part of it, to be in a, 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 a piece of art that is like that, that, that is, that people bring into their lives not just once as an experience, but as like part of the vernacular. Yeah, they can quote from it. Yeah, you know, it's like I don't know. That's I. No, I think no, no. It was it was special.
0: It was a mo- a lightning in a bottle movie, and it was and it lived up to all the expectations. Okay, so the circus we're
1: on for from now until after election day, and then you then you take a nap. Then we take a nap. We don't know for how long, uh, but we'll take a nap. We will we will from 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 this. We finish on the Sunday as of now. We finish on the Sunday after the midterm elections, which is November. 12th and 10th, whatever the last day is the midterm elections are the sixth. I can't do the math to get from Tuesday to Sunday, but it's something like the 10th or the 11th. All right. Uh, and then we're done. And then, you know, we'll see, we'll definitely take a little bit of the holiday off. But I think the question after that is like, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, I mean, we'll be back, uh, if showtime lets us, Come back in 2019. I think they probably will if we do a good job this fall. But uh, but the reality is we don't know. There could be impeachment hearings in January.
0: Oh, then are we gonna that. need?
1: Are we gonna need to cut co- like maybe in February? Are we gonna need to start covering that? You know, we'll see what happens. And then obviously we got the presidential coming up in 2020. So you know we, we got a big long runway here to do a lot of circus and uh, and and I'll be probably dead uh, in Fine. in December of 2020. But you know At hopefully. Hopefully by then, sanity will have reasserted itself and will prevail in the modern world. And I won't say what that means, but let's just hope that by the time we get to December of 2020, we look up and say we're a sane country
0: again. All right. John Heilman, The Circus, I appreciate you coming on the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast in these Elon Musk like studios, yes.
1: Although I did not smoke any weed here, you saw Musk was smoking some weed yes. on a podcast recently.
0: Yes, yes. Would I have been welcome to smoke weed? Of course any? you would have. I did, but I would have been if I had smoked it with you. We'd be, yeah, we'd definitely be talking about hip hop, the yes. big three.
1: And, well, that'll be that's going to be my one uh, my make my return engagement. We'll come here and we'll um, we'll do it all hip hop. We'll get into that. That'll be good. All right, all right, man. You, great to be here.
0: Thank you, thank you. All right, I want to thank my guy John Heilman. For rock with me on the podcast He actually has a dog Named Fife Dog He's not just a newsman He's a good dude uh, Loves hip hop uh, You have to check out The Circus on Showtime The Circus The greatest show on earth Every single week They are in the trenches Until the wheels fall off As you can tell he's smart He's able to break it down In bare bones uh, I appreciate John uh, uh, Coming on the show Uh, The Showtime Circus. I love that show. I watch it every Sunday, and they are back with, I believe it is, season four. Um, I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. I'm done. Miles Jordan, take us out of here with something real nice, something real proper.